2: Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts. One man's pollution is another man's life-saving medical cleanser. Today on Parts Per Billion, we talk about why a colorless gas that you've probably never heard of has triggered the latest intergovernmental turf war. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the podcast from Bloomberg Environment. I'm your host, David Schultz. Today, we're talking about a chemical that is really useful, but also causes a lot of problems. And as of right now, It seems like the federal government is kind of at a loss for how to deal with it. The chemical we're talking about today is ethylene oxide. And with us today to explain exactly what it is are Amina Syed, who covers air pollution, and Ayana Alexander, who covers medical devices. This is a bit of an odd pairing of reporters, but I think you'll see why we brought them in in just a moment. Ayana, Amina, thank you for coming. What is ethylene oxide? I'm not entirely sure I know what it is. Uh, Can you explain what it is?
3: So, ethylene oxide, um, it is a colorless, odorless chemical gas and it is used to sterilize heat-sensitive medical devices. So you've got stents, you've got needles, but you also have catheters, breathing tubes.
2: If it, if it goes inside your body and you can't just wash it, I guess this take gets all the microbes out of it.
3: Pretty much, pretty much.
2: Uh, Amina, I understand that uh, you know it helps out a lot with medical devices, but it's causing some problems. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about that?
4: Sure. So EPA regulates the releases of toxic chemicals from facilities and.
2: and it, ethylene oxide is toxic.
4: Ethylene oxide is not just toxic, but in 2016, the agency found that it was carcinogenic. And most of, you know, where this, these devices are being sterilized, these places are located in residential communities. Uh oh. So that created this huge furor about it since 2016, especially. Uh, it started out in Chicago, in a suburb called Willowbrook, where Sterigenics became this poster child of... Uh,
2: and that was one of the companies that, that used this gas and was sterilizing medical devices. But it sounds like some of the gas was leaking out.
4: So the residents were worried. They, they said, here's this facility sitting right in our midst. You know, it's not being regulated. It's
3: kind of a catch-22 if you think about it, because you have Sterigenics, for example.
4: That's the, it, the company. That's in, the
3: company in, in that was Chicago. shut down, yes. Yeah. They were responsible for sterilizing at least six hundred medical devices. That's a lot. That's at least eighty percent. So you. Oh, have, they had that big of the market. Yes, yes, and it it impacts the medical device industry because once you don't have something, some company to sterilize your stuff, how can you use it? And that rolls over to patients, you know, you can't really use the needles or the stints anymore, or you have to get it from a different manufacturer.
2: And Amina, you've been doing a lot of really good reporting on how the EPA is trying to, to regulate the use of this gas, the ethylene oxide, but uh, it's been struggling to do that. And one of the reasons is because the FDA is saying, hey, don't put restrictions on this that are too tight, or else we might not be able to sterilize our medical devices.
4: Where EPA and FDA appear to be sort of clashing is that EPA asks for public comment on how is this chemical being used and can we use less of it? Because if you use less of the chemical, then there'll be less of a chance of it leaking. Well, FDA sort of pushed back. And this was during the interagency review process. And FDA pushed back and said, hey, EPA, you're not responsible for what happens inside the facility. You're only responsible for the emissions that go out. How the sterilization process takes place of medical devices is not your jurisdiction. So EPA said, all right, hands so, off. So they, wa- they
2: waved the white flag, I guess.
4: Yeah, they said, OK, we'll take it out.
2: OK, we're going to take a quick break uh, now. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the stakes uh, here, the stakes of action and the stakes of inaction. Uh, stay with us. Don't go anywhere.
0: Welcome back. Uh, we are
2: talking about ethylene oxide and the fight over who gets to regulate this and how. I'm with Amina Syed and Ayana Alexander. Uh, so let's talk about the stakes. First off, let's talk about what happens if the EPA decides to really crack down on uh, ethylene oxide and say all these companies that are sterilizing medical devices, you have to use less of it, or maybe you can't use any of it. What would happen then?
3: Uh If the EPA says you can't use any of it, there will be widespread shortages. Shortages of what? Of medical devices. So we already saw an example of this in April. There was a shortage in breathing tubes, catheters, aspiration kits, which um, get rid of scar tissue when it comes to miscarriages. So those are on the smaller scale of devices that could be hurt if you completely wipe out the use of the chemical who knows what'll come next? And I mean, like I was saying, there's stents and needles. It goes from this sterilization process, it helps disinfect the most basic of devices to the most complex. Mm. So... It's really widely used. Yeah, and with hospitals, they don't know if they fit the criteria. They don't know if they have the right wherewithal to be able to sterilize these devices by themselves.
2: So this could really turn the medical industry on its head.
3: It could, it could, and with there's really no alternative at this point and it's so specific you have to be careful for these devices they they have heat issues if they're low heat and you use the wrong type of sterilization you can completely ruin them
4: yeah but let me interrupt here EPA is not looking to remove the use of ethylene oxide i don't think so either and it's it's just looking at all possible ways in which they can reduce the leaks of this chemical, they have not at any point said that they're going to stop the industry from using it. What it means is if they set stringent standards, that means that companies will have to install more devices on their facilities to capture these emissions, which means higher costs for the companies. It doesn't mean that they're going to go out of business or stuff.
2: It just means it's... The very, very high cost of healthcare is going to be even higher. higher yeah. But let me ask you this, Amina. What, so there's also a possibility that the EPA will say, look, you know, ethylene oxide is too important to the medical industry. You know, the FDA has really made some salient points here. Like, we're just going to let the current standards uh, go on and not change them and because we don't want to disrupt the supply chain. We're just going to not do anything. What happens then?
4: Well, first of all, the law doesn't allow it to do that. Well, <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, the Clean Air Act is, is, requires you to update the standards based on the most recent scientific evidence. The risk has gone up from probably carcinogenic to definitely carcinogenic. That in itself triggers the requirement.
3: And that's interesting because I think the main point here is that unless these two agencies can kind of figure out some sort of balance... It's the patients that are at stake. And there are residents who are at stake. You know what I mean? So it is interesting to see. You know, the EPA hasn't said, we don't want you guys to use it at all. Because right. that's not, I mean, I don't think that they would ever say that. I they, don't they think th-
2: so. They think that there's it, it can still be used safely under the right circumstances.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's going to be a little bit difficult for these companies to do because they're so used to doing it a certain way. But... With that being said, there is no alternative, so they're going to have to figure out a way to to restore that balance.
2: Is it possible that the EPA may have to act a little bit sooner than it thought as a result of maybe pressure from Capitol Hill or pressure from uh, a governor's office or maybe even pressure from a lawsuit?
4: Well, let's put it this way. EPA has been promising to update these standards for the sterilizer sector. Yeah for at least two years now that I've been covering it. okay. And right now, the point at which they are at is they've issued a notice. So we're at least a year, a year and a half away from actual standards happening. There is pressure coming from Capitol Hill, but EPA is taking its time because it wants to make sure all I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And I, I guess I understand why the EPA is taking its time because as... Ayana talked
2: about, you know, getting this wrong could mean major supply chain disruptions for the whole medical industry. So there is a lot of pressure on them. However, the people who are living next to these factories where these devices are sterilized are probably not very happy that the EPA is taking as long as it is.
4: They are not happy. So therefore, there are efforts at the state levels. So you have legislation in Illinois. The governor signed it. And now you're seeing steps being taken in Georgia. And that is something that companies don't want. They don't want this patchwork effect. I started reporting on this earlier in 2019,
3: and I literally had medical device trade associations, like AdvaMed, say to me, we don't know what to do at this point. Because once the states start coming up with their own rules, that's 50 different rules that we have to comply with. That could also cause shortages. Because you have a bunch of different companies trying to make sure that they please everybody. And essentially, we've got to get these devices out. So that's why they're really, really anxious about this federal framework and applying pressure to EPA and FDA to come up with some sort of consensus.
2: All right. Well, that was Iana Alexander and I'd giving you the lowdown on ethylene oxide. We have much more about this on our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That's news.bloombergenvironment.com. If you want to chat with us on social media, use the hashtag #partsperb. That hashtag, once again, is #partsperb. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Marissa Horn, Jessica Coombs, and RJ Jewell. The music for this episode is A Message by Jazar and Computer Dance by Intermezzi. They were used under a Creative Commons license. And thank you for listening.
0: Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it.